Today on Be Better. It's just a big passion of mine to help people connect the dots. And, you know, our North Star as a company is, is engineering Eureka moments. Like, that's the thing that we believe that we can do better than any company in the world. And it is like, you know, those sudden moments of inspiration where you're like, crap, without this, I would have never arrived here. Welcome, listener, to another enlightening episode of Be Better. Today, we'll be addressing the topic of artificial intelligence. AI has been under fire at times as organizations and tech companies are adapting the use of large language models into their businesses at a rapid pace. The problem lies in the fact that AI technology uses a tremendous amount of data when training complex large language models. This means more energy usage, more data centers that need to be built out, but it's not all downside. AI has the opportunity not only to drive innovation at a pace which has never been possible before, but operationally, it can make us a lot more efficient. Today, we will speak with Nick Manaki, the visionary founder of Bundle IQ. Nick is a prolific figure, known for his features in Entrepreneur Magazine, his passion for ultra-marathon running, and his serial entrepreneurship in tech. Beyond business, he's a philanthropist and conservationist, and a figurehead at the 1909 Foundation for Budding Entrepreneurs. We will explore how Nick is integrating his passion for climate science and building a more sustainable world into his mission at Bundle IQ. We'll talk about Nick's work in climate science and sustainability, his perspective on the government's role in AI development, and, and maybe some concerns around data management and privacy in the current landscape, as well as the evolution of online information and its implications for AI. Buckle up. This is Be Better. Nick, thanks so much for joining the Be Better podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Bobby. It's exciting. Excited to be here. You know, I think back to when you and I first met about five years ago at that uh, that tech conference in, over in Clearwater, and you had a booth set up and talking about your your AI assistance, uh, you know, kind of tech. And I thought it was super interesting back then. Uh, what was the what was the name of it again? So originally started out as B notes. B notes, and that was yeah. Probably twenty nineteen. Yeah, and then just to see you know everything that you've been able to accomplish from uh, you know a, a bundle IQ user perspective and and myself just seeing the you know iteration and advancement of the product and just seeing your business kind of take off has been absolutely awesome. Can you talk through like those early days to where the product is today? And maybe how, you know, advancements in AI have impacted the product itself? Yeah. So, you know, this is sort of like the, the entrepreneurial still, entrepreneur's dilemma is like, how do you approach uh, solving a problem that is maybe just building a better mousetrap? But, you know, at, in, in this day and age, it, it, it can look a lot different than that. Um, but it's really sort of defining, like, what is that pain point and how do we tackle that for our customers? And the early uh, days of B notes, you know, basically in 2019, that was kind of when um, Notion was starting to get popular. And the initial kind of idea was like, how can I help people tap into information when they need it most? And you know, it was sort of like a building a better bookshelf. You know, instead of a mousetrap, it was like building a better, better bookshelf. So it was like, okay, well, when you have a bookshelf, you can color coordinate your books. You can maybe 
put them in alphabetical order. You can do things to kind of help you uh, access the content of the, you know, the books a lot easier. But ultimately what I realized is that, man, that's, that's still not really like addressing the kind of the core pain that people really, you know, are, are up against and this like information overload scenario. And so I said, what, what if we could, what if we could tell Bobby based on what he's reading or writing that he needs to potentially reference uh, paragraph number three on book, no- book number 12 and page number 37 of that book. And so like, how do I connect you to the most relevant pieces of information as you work? And that was essentially kind of the, the real core of the, the issue that we were like, all right, that, that's the real pain that we're, we need to solve because people don't have time to stop what they're doing, switch context, go on this like, you know, treasure hunt to try to find the in- information that they need to then go back to the con, you know what I mean? So anyway, that, that's ultimately what we yeah. ended up doing. And, and AI was obviously played a big role in that. It's helped me so much having just got into climate tech about two and a half years ago, you know, I had some serious upskilling to do, um, you know, and, and pouring through IPCC reports and, and, you know, trying to gain some level of fluency, um, you know, for sustainability speak just in general, like all of this was, was somewhat foreign to me. So bundle IQ really, really helped me, you know, kind of root through the noise. And, you know, as I was trying to understand various reports and articles sincerely helped me upskill, um, you know, in a, in a big way, you know, by making it a lot more palatable. Can you talk through the difference between bundle IQ and chat GPT? <laughs> yeah, this is probably the biggest <laughs> question we get. Um, yeah. And it's a great question because, you know, without chat GPT, it's actually hard to explain bundle IQ. <laughs> Um, right. you know, because we were a precursor to chat GPT by two years. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the reality is, is that, you know, chat GPT is, is a, obviously an incredibly creative tool or a cool tool for creativity. Uh, and, you know, you do a lot of writing, you can write emails and wordsmith up all kinds of things, but when it comes to research and, you know, attribution and citing and sourcing and things like that, you, you really, if, if your reputation depends on it, let's put it this way for those types of people, right. Um, bundle IQ is the, the tool that people would use because you get to focus, um, focus the AI's energy on, on specific data sets. We call those bundles. So imagine like building a, a curation of, of content. Uh, so that's one piece of it. And then the other piece of it is at scale. So what does it look like to, you mentioned IPCC report. I mean, the IPCC reports over 3000 yeah. pages, um, <laughs> you know, chat GPT is a large language model that holds a, like can do really well with data and memory. But when it comes to, you know, sc- scaling, uh, data sets and, and data management, things like that, it, it doesn't really do that. So we have a knowledge management system that is like the powers, the back end and or back end, and then the LLM is sort of like the, the AI research assistant that kind of helps you uh, articulate and communicate your, your thoughts and ideas and connect those dots. How are your customers, you know, kind of using bundle IQ today? Yeah, we had a really interesting one come up yesterday. Um, there's an attorney that's a customer and he uses it for his, a lot of his legal work, yeah. um, mostly just to try to connect the dots in his thinking. Uh, as it relates to, you know, whatever discovery material he has and that sort of thing. Right. 
Um, but he is also on the board of a nonprofit here in West Palm Beach called Connect West Palm Beach. And they, uh, you know, they do a lot of studies and basically community, community advocacy and kind of social impact initiatives around walkability. And, you know, as it relates to urban planning and, you know, the whole kind of life cycle of, of civil engineering and development inside of a municipality. So that being said, as you can imagine, there are so many studies and so many things that you could potentially learn from. Um, but similar to, to the climate challenge and when you talk about upscaling, yeah. um, you know, so we basically said, okay, let's, let's bundle up, you know, 47 reports, which was over 1500 pages worth of content. And, uh, and we spun up a, a chat bot, which is kind of wow. new to bundle IQ. So, so we're turning these bundles where literally you can press a button and it'll spin up a branded kind of chat experience, um, that uh, people can interact with and subscribe to that can go so many different directions, right? Like I'm thinking about the potential use cases here, you know, a chat pot that has, you know, associated internal language for, you know, just the marketing and, and discovery and research around a particular product line. Right. Um, and you know, once you start understanding the various use cases here, you know, your, your mind, you know, really starts to, you know, kind of, kind of spin up. Yeah. And, and just another kind of contrast element to bundle IQ is like, we're, where we really shine is, is focusing on industry specific knowledge. So, yeah. so not the content that's like readily available on the internet. Um, and, and right. oftentimes a lot of this industry knowledge is, is not even available in chat GPT or in, in Google, it's not even indexed because it's, you know, it's behind a paywall or some kind of download form or something like that. Yeah. Now let's, um, let's talk a bit about, you know, some of the work that you're doing, uh, you know, in, in climate and in climate science. Um, you know, obviously you and I have known each other for years and you're, you know, kind of uniquely interested in, um, you know, kind of this war on climate and building a more sustainable future. Um, can you talk about some of the work that you're doing in the space? Yeah, so we we sort of support like the the back end of of this analysis, and we work with a lot of researchers and and people in the sustainability industry. Um, you know, people that are doing carbon accounting for enterprises and uh, and municipalities, and they use Bundle IQ as as a tool as in their toolkit to help them. You know, with this research, and uh, you know, and it's it's interesting because you know you've got the SEC filing or ruling that said all publicly traded companies at, you know, whatever date have to essentially report on their carbon, uh, carbon accounting. And so now there's this, you know, mad rush to like figure that out. And, uh, you know, and there are large corporations and I know that there's different scopes and, you know, one, two, and three and all the different things that, that they have to account for in terms of supply chain and, you know, and, and usage and all that. And it's a lot to make sense of. So, you know, it, basically we created this ESG bundle that is, uh, has like, I think a hundred of the fortune 500s, um, ESG reporting. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's oh, been that's really huge. useful for a, a lot of people within the bundle IQ ecosystem. Um, you know, so it's, it's just a big passion of mine to help people connect the dots and, you know, our North star as a company is, is engineering Eureka moments. Like that's the thing that we believe that we oh, can do better than any company yeah. in the world it is like, you know, those sudden moments of inspiration where you're like, crap, without this, I would have never 
arrived here. Are, is your team using Bundle IQ internally to help find, you know, and kind of distill all of the nonsense and noise that's out there and, and to navigate their way to some of those eureka moments? Yeah. I mean, we use it every day. We're constantly dog fooding, fooding the, right. the product, um, not only from a, right. from a utility standpoint in terms of our documentation as a company, but also, also gotcha. as a, you know, as a, we'll call it a, an R and D team slash innovation team where we're, constantly trying to push the envelope on the right. types of data that we can ingest and make sense of. So for instance, in some of this, you know, connect West Palm beach data, there are a lot of charts that were just images. So, you know, chat GPT multimodal just came out, but, I, but it's not even really available yeah. from an enterprise perspective. So how do we achieve some of these things without having to wait, you know, four to five months or whenever they're going to make that available. Not only that, but it's probably too expensive to make it production, like it's great for a prototype, but to make it scalable within a production environment um, is not something that is going to come easily, at least for now. So, you know, so yeah. we're looking at other ways to basically yeah. like parse up that data and, and make it um, useful to our, our customers today and not having to wait six, seven months potentially. Yeah, that's awesome. And I was, I was really impressed with the, uh, the chat that you had posted the other day um, around, you know, all of the sustainability data. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what was in the bundle. It was Miami. Uh, yeah. Miami. Yeah. And I have noticed this trend amongst mostly coastal cities across the United States. Um, and, and now they're kind of integrating the, the term resiliency into chief sustainability officer. So it's chief sustainability and resiliency officer. Um, you know, which is, which I think is important because, you know, we do really need to start, um, you know, talking about resiliency and, and, ad uh, um, what's the term, not adaption, adoption, adaptation, <laughs> adaptation, yeah. <laughs> adaptation a lot more, um, you know, cause those topics, you know, have been somewhat, somewhat taboo in the past. Right. Um, yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Like a, a lot of this, um, these experiences around climate, well, first it was global warming and then it, that was too much, right? So right. then it became climate change. And then, you know, so, so I think resiliency and, and adaptation are, are probably the most pragmatic ways to look at this because, you know, I drive down Flagler, I live in West Palm Beach, Florida, I, you know, Flagler's along the intercoastal waterway and it is apparent that every single full moon there is a flood right so yeah uh and i know miami's like even worse which is why we created that miami sustainability um bundle yeah but uh but resili resiliency and adaptation are really kind of i think the key drivers because it's it's like it's in your face you yeah know? definitely and i think a lot of even citizens of of miami they have no idea what's going on, what projects they have forecasted, you know, to kind of make, um, you know, some of their work more, more tangible. They have no idea. Right. And so I was able to just ask that chat bot, you know, what are the resiliency initiatives that Miami is working on right now? And it spit out, you know, four or five, six different projects, um, that Miami was actively working towards. Um, 
you know, and then I even asked from the perspective of, um, you know, a, a, a climate change denier, um, you know, what would their feedback be or what would their take be on this, this particular information? Right. And it was able to, you know, come back and, you know, I think highlight some key areas that the city should at least be, you know, kind of messaging around, um, or, or rebutting if you will. Um, so incredibly useful tool. Kudos to you. I guess what, what types of, of data did you kind of put into that bundle to spin that up? Uh, there was a GHG report there. I uploaded their urban planning, like design. Yeah. Um, parameters. I mean, so I, it, it was a combination of, of climate related stuff, urban planning and code and, you know, building related, uh, data. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't add any like GIS stuff or anything like that, but, gotcha. but it was, it was, you know, it was pretty comprehensive. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking from, uh, the point of a, a citizen, right. And, and having that chat bot, bot on the site, right on their sustainability page that you could interact with really helps distill all of the work that, that, that the group's doing and make it more, more palatable. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. You know, we spun these up just out of personal interest and our own kind of edification to see if we can get, gain any insight. And it's obvious. I mean, literally like you just gave a great example that um, they're, they're super valuable. So I think the next step is to start to have some of these conversations with city leadership and see what we can do. Yeah. Are you speaking of, uh, you know, city leadership, municipalities, government officials, um, you know, the government is obviously keenly interested in the, the development of AI, you know, as a potential, potential risk moving forward, um, you know, along with the potential, just ROI and capabilities in general as they continue to develop. What do you see government's role, you know, kind of playing in the future development of AI? Yeah, it's a great question. And I don't think it's an obvious one um, per se. Uh, I think there's a lot of emotion wrapped up in it right now uh, to just do something. I mean, if you read the the executive order, it was kind of a kitchen sink of, you know, precautions, I guess. Um, but in, yeah. in terms of like what I see as the opportunity, um, first off, I, I think, I think that the reality is, is that there's already a lot of issues with just forget about AI for a second with the way that data, data yeah. is managed today, um, and how it's being exploited. I mean, you think about like credit card companies and all the, you know, all the data that they have and how it's predatory essentially, um, you know, there's a, yeah. an, there's an entire economic engine just developed around our data in that way. Um, you know, if you apply for an LLC to the, to the state, like the next thing that happens is you get text messages and phone calls and, and direct mail from, you yeah. know, every kind of service provider you can imagine as it relates to business. Um, anyway, point being is that, you know, there's a lot of challenges around data and privacy today. And AI is only going to perpetuate that problem. So my point yeah. is, is that I think we need to address some of the foundational challenges that we're up against um, that haven't been addressed. And, uh, and then we can talk about, you know, maybe some of the guardrails and things that we can put into place um, for AI because AI ultimately is nothing without data. 
uh, or or some kind of pipelines to like communication. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my two cents. <laughs> Can you help me understand? You know, I, I know Google Chrome, I believe, is taking away like ten percent of uh, users, um, you know, capabilities around third party cookie usage. Um, and I believe they plan on phasing third party cookie data entirely in 2024. What are the, what are the potential tailwinds of that? Um, you know, as it pertains to, you know, various products and, um, you know, maybe even AI. Yeah. So my background's in advertising. Um, I brought digital, I brought behavioral targeting and geo targeting to South Florida. So I was part of the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, and, and, and leveraging the, the cookie data and, and being able to retarget people based on their, their, you know, a certain profile that we would build. Yeah. Um, and this was back in 2006, seven, probably seven. Um, this is before double click got acquired by Google or maybe around the, or yeah, maybe right before that time. Um, so that being said, I, you know, I, it's just going to be an evolution of that. It's not going to be the same that we've imagined as it relates to putting people in buckets based on their browsing history. Right. Um, what I would imagine it to be is more around um, it's interesting. So a lot of our time is spent consuming information and ultimately the entire internet is changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire landscape of the internet is changing. When we got into kind of web, we'll call it 2.0, the information age um, traditional media was sort of flipped on its head, you know, and, and I come from a newspaper background and, and then going into digital. And the reality is, is that these publishers couldn't make, they couldn't charge for the information because everything, information was democratized, everything was free. And so in order to like play on the internet, they had to basically open everything up. But now with AI, what we're seeing is that content consumption is changing markedly. And you know, a lot of people are now turning to, and you probably have experienced this for yourself. They're turning to chat GPT and they're turning to bars and they're turning to LLMs and, and they just want the answers. They don't want to have to go open up 15 tabs and read all the articles. Yeah. So what does that mean? That means that, yeah. that, that ultimately the, the, the pendulum is going to shift at some point back to the content creators and the publishers, and they're going to start locking down and putting up, putting up these, these uh, walled gardens around their data for two reasons. One, uh, ChatGPT, uh, it's like no index, no scrape, because ChatGPT is nothing without the internet, without Wikipedia, et cetera. Right. And then two, they need to get paid. Yeah, exactly. Because they've, 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 they're, they're starting to lose the PPC game. You know, Google's going to start losing a lot of revenue there. Um, if, if you don't go to the New York Times or whatever website, you're not, they're not going to be able to sell you into a subscription or, or, or deliver banner ads to you. So the reason why I say all that is because the cookie game is an advertising game. Yeah. And advertising is going to shift. Yeah. It's, it's shifting. It's already happening. So in my mind's eye, it's like, okay, we're going to actually go from like cable TV to online streaming. Right. So Cable TV was the black box on everyone's television. Now that, that's like the Google of today or Google of yesterday. It was the, it was the watering hole. It was the entry point into the world's information. And then Roku came around 
And they were like, you know what? We're going to have what's called OTT and all of these publishers you're going to have to subscribe to. Right. If you want access to Paramount Plus, whatever, 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 right? And that's what we've seen. Yeah. And now that's kind of the new world for consuming television. That's That same thing is happening online, um, but it's not maybe as apparent yet. Yeah. So it doesn't answer your question directly, but basically I'm saying the landscape is changing. Therefore, the rules are, are going to change pretty significantly. And companies are going to need to stay ahead of that. And in some ways, the the, the, the data is going to be richer. It's not going to be a cookie anymore. It's, it's going to be, what is Bobby searching? What is he asking? What questions are he asking? What You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be so much richer than a cookie. Right. Yeah, because cause you're having to subscribe, therefore subscribe to terms. And exactly. And release that type yeah. of thing. Yeah. And now I know the questions you're asking, the things that you're interested in, and like yeah. the content you're consuming in a totally different way. Exactly. Nick, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, I always have a great time talking to you. Um, <laughs> one more question for you. How can we all be better? Um, I think it's an individual game. I mean, you know, especially in the Western Hemisphere, like being mindful about the decisions that we make as it relates to how we choose to show up to the world um, is such a personal thing, you know? And I think that the ability to like have introspection and like sit with yourself and quietness is really like, and, and be contemplative. And maybe look, we're going in the holidays, you know? And like we said, work's kind of starting to shut down. Obviously we're gonna be with family a lot, but um, you know, I think maybe spending some time by yourself and, and reflecting on the new year, on this year and, and going into the new year, that's something I think we can all do. So that's, that's, that's how I can say we, we, we can be better. As we reflect on today's episode, Nick's story reminds us that the rules are changing. The systems which were previously developed that crafted the world we live in today are being rewritten. Our current state of environmental risk is a reminder that mindfulness, introspection, and foresight are paramount as we all write this new playbook together.